1: You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network.
0: Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula 1 news. Follow us on Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Mark Daly here welcoming you on board to this week's show. Kevin is away this week on what is a very busy Wednesday here sporting wise for me. Got the the podcast here rolling and the Vancouver Whitecaps the team that I cover here in Vancouver in MLS action tonight against Sporting Kansas City in one of their last matches of the season and it's kind of funny the way that uh, Formula One and Major League Soccer roll kind of parallel seasons throughout the year means that from March to November I'm usually very busy each and every weekend and then from The end of November until the beginning of March is somewhat a little bit quieter. But as much as I love the fall and the winter, it does leave a big gap. And uh, I sometimes wish that they could maybe change the schedule a little bit. Although, when they are rolling, it does mean that there's a lot of fun things and a lot of interesting things to keep me going each and every day and each and every week and month uh, for nine months out of the year. So I shouldn't complain too much. And speaking of Formula One, the uh, series is back in action this weekend for the U.S. Grand Prix and the part of the season that I really like because it means that I get to watch races live. Yes, most of the time when they're racing in Europe and other parts of the world, it is just a little bit inconvenient for me to get up at four or five in the morning. If I power my way through the night, I can usually stay up, but I don't get out of bed that early when I get up to go to my nine to five. So even if it's for Formula One and I'm not getting paid, it's not going to happen. But uh, a very nice change of pace to be able to watch a, a race live. That's why I always think it's a little bit weird that the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal takes place in basically what is the the European portion of the calendar earlier in the year, late summer, sorry, early early summer, late spring, and uh, but usually between Monaco and Spain. So it's usually kind of a, a funny, little interlude that they jet over to the northeastern corner of north america for one race and then we don't see the formula one circuit return until the, the the middle of the fall for the u.s grand prix for mexico for brazil and then uh well that's basically it <laughs> only a couple more races left and then we're off for the season finale in abu dhabi in just uh, about uh, i guess six weeks time and i think i say it each and every year but boy it, it really does does fly, doesn't it? Anyways, just a quick reminder before we get into the show this evening, the World Championship at the moment for for the drivers, Lewis Hamilton still on top, of course, with 331 points, Sebastian Vettel in second position with 264 points and fading quickly in his title challenge, and well, that's not new news, that's been going on for, for some time. And obviously, Mercedes and Lewis have it all to lose or all to win depending on your your point of view but that's a good place to start it because a total wolf at Mercedes says that he's still worried a freak incident could derail Lewis Hamilton's fifth title when you think about it it's pretty amazing what uh, what Lewis Hamilton is on the cusp of doing if he uh, wins it this weekend and of course there are a whole bunch of different scenarios that uh, that can play out that will either clinch it for Lewis or it will prolong it for another week when they go down to the Mexican Grand Prix at the Autodromo uh, Rodriguez, Armanos Rodriguez. I should just say the uh, Rodriguez brothers' autodrome. But, anyways, yeah. So I mean, if Lewis does clinch it, and I mean he's going to. I mean that it it just seems it's it's obviously a foregone conclusion. It would take a monumental collapse that uh, we'd uh, see if he was not to win it and uh, basically if he wins uh, wins this weekend at Austin and Vettel is third or lower then it's a done deal if he finishes second and Vettel is fifth or lower third and Seb is seventh or lower then it's all it's it's all a done deal we can keep on going from <laughs> there but it goes quite a, quite a ways i think he as long as he scores eight or more points than sebastian vettel then that's it. He will clinch his fifth world title, and he, then he's in pretty elite company. I mean, he has already been a four-time world champion, but only Fangio and Michael Schumacher have won more. Uh, with uh, Fangio winning five and Michael Schumacher winning seven during the course of their brilliant uh, careers, uh, I'm sure that uh, Lewis is relishing the fact that, that he may soon be one of the uh, the all-time greats. Uh, I know Alan Prost, obviously, four-time world champion. Sebastian. Sebastian Vettel, four-time world champion. Obviously, those are very impressive uh, career markers, uh, career achievements, I guess I should say. But uh, to be mentioned to the same breath as Fangio and uh, and Schumacher is uh, something quite different. And then, of course, just on the other side uh, of the coin, if uh, Hamilton is uh, fi- first, then if uh, Vettel wins, or sorry, comes in second, then the, the championship is kept alive for another week. If Lewis finishes second, then Seb has to be fourth or higher. And if Lewis finishes third, then Sebastian has to be sixth or higher. And then it goes on for another week at least. But uh, that's why I thought it was interesting to hear Toto say that they're basically, uh, or he's concerned that any number of things could go wrong that could derail the title challenge for for Lewis Hamilton. I mean, uh, I, I think, well, I mean it's obviously not a done deal but uh, of course it's looking uh, pretty sure that they're going to win the constructors championship as well for a fifth season in a row and uh, again a, a fantastic achievement if uh, they they can pull it off but uh, it it's just I think it's interesting just to hear Toto and his reasons why he's worried everything even going down just from mechanical failures to accidents to any number of things that could happen he even said something bizarre like well what if Lewis broke a finger and really getting a little bit almost uh, paranoid about it but I think it just goes to show the the attention to detail that they have and I always try to tell the people that work for me you know the the way that you do the little things reflect in how you do the, the big things it's sort of this this uh this snowball effect that if you do all these little things right then that translates into the, the the bigger things and obviously the career that Lewis Hamilton has had and uh, the record that Mercedes has had over the past several years speaks for itself. So Talking about world champions and talking about um, Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel, Nico Rosberg said that uh, Sebastian must focus on what he calls marginal gains to beat Lewis Hamilton. And uh, Nico, obviously world champion in uh, in 2016, already looking ahead to to 2019. And uh, he said uh, basically that he did a whole bunch of little things, which uh, just little marginal gains here and there was what ultimately helped him win the championship championship in 2016 and he said that you cannot let lewis get get inside of your head and that if it gets to the point where you are not able to compete with Lewis on the in the mental game, then you've already lost just because how mentally tough that Lewis Hamilton is. So interesting to get a little bit of insight uh, from Nico Rosberg there. And definitely, I mean, that, I think that uh, was what Kevin and I were talking about last week is just the fact that all the mistakes that uh, Sebastian Vettel has made over the course of the season has really turned the table and uh, quite dramatically and almost, uh, I wouldn't say uh, r- right on a... Uh, Any one instance, I mean, you can take half a dozen of them, but again, it's that that adding that that effect of everything all adding up is what really turned the tide in the favor of Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton, who just stayed consistent. Obviously, had some very good uh, results, a lot of victories, and then at other times just managed to get the points that you you needed. And of course, it's a marathon and not a sprint. And unfortunately, that's what it looked like. uh, That uh, Seb just gave it away in the long run. Although it is not over until it's over. So there could be plenty more to, to be done, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens in Austin and in the, the, the last four races of the year. But Maurizio Arriva Bene, the team principal at uh, Ferrari, he's confident sooner or later, Sebastian Vettel will win. A drivers' Championship with Ferrari. And, well, I think that they've proved this year that the Mercedes W09 and the Ferrari SF71H are... Well, I, I guess it really depends at which point in the season you're looking at. Let's just say over the course of the entire year, I'd say that they're, uh, they, they've are they been pretty equal in terms of machinery. There's obviously been at times where Ferrari's had the advantage and more recently it's been Mercedes that have had the advantage. But the point is that uh, both Vettel and Hamilton have both had excellent cars under, underneath them. Maybe Mercedes didn't get off to quite of a, a hot start and uh, obviously I think they developed the car better over the long term and uh, over the course of the season and that um, definitely helped but uh, I I really think that right now I think it's important if you're a a Riva Bene to to give your star a bit of a boost because with all the pressure that uh, that Vettel's been under and all the mistakes that he's made and he's driving for Ferrari and the uh, just living under that uh, that magnifying glass not just in Italy but everywhere I mean everybody knows Ferrari and uh, the expectations to perform there and to win there are just uh, is is so immense and I think that also kind of goes back to what, uh, what Nico Rosberg was saying just if he can make those small incremental gains here and there wherever he can find an advantage in, in whatever aspect it is of what he's doing on the track off the track training nutrition preparation setting up the car practice tire choices strategy whatever it might be just the, those little gains here and there those are the things that uh, ultimately are going to help give you an advantage and it helps stack the odds, maybe... I I don't know if you can stack them in your favor against uh, Lewis Hamilton. I mean, obviously Lewis is a tough, tough guy to beat—not uh, only mentally but also just in the car. I mean, he's so consistent, he's so fast, and he's so good. But uh, if you just start adding these little things up, then maybe that's uh, that's what it will take. But uh, a very good and reassuring thing to see from Maurizio Arrivabene to, to to back his star driver and really give him that uh, that boost that I think he really needs and uh i obviously i don't get a chance to sit in the garage with the drivers but i see it quite often with other professional athletes just how when things when when things really aren't going your way <laughs> you know when they say when you're cold you're cold and when you're hot you're hot it really is true and uh, it it's it uh, really is a, a mental thing quite a a lot of the time and I think that's one of the things it's not so much how you fall but how you get back up and uh, respond so um, Seb obviously was saying even uh, before Singapore and in in the past and Japan obviously they, they were saying that they were targeting to win at every track and every race for the remainder of the season and they're going to go out and fight but uh, again this uh, the the other week in Japan we saw Sebastian Vettel coming together with Max Verstappen early in the race obviously the, uh, the, the qualifying did not go well for Ferrari did not go well for Sebastian Vettel so starting eighth place and having to fight all the way back up to the front and I believe Suzuka is a race that's never been won by a car beyond the first row so if you were not <laughs> first or second that race then the, the odds that you were going to win that race are virtually nil but uh, definitely he did not help his cause when uh, he barged into to Max Verstappen regardless if Max left the door open Sebastian was just um, too far behind him going into the, the the corner there to really make that move worthwhile and make it stick and you could just tell that looking at the angle and looking at the timing and just looking at everything else that the, was not going to end well uh, for both of them and uh, obviously Seb paid the the the, the price for that and again just uh, another one of those things that uh, you can chalk up in the uh, gave it away column uh, for for 2018 so we'll wait and see whether or not Riva Bene's words have helped encourage Sebastian Vettel or if we'll see more of the the same this week in Austin and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the, the the Grand Prix coming up but if you, you look at the history of the U.S. Grand Prix it uh, was not held from 2008 and 2011 uh, prior to that from 2000 to 2000 2007, it was held at uh, that um, interesting sort of uh, circuit that they built that was partly on the oval at Indianapolis and partly in the infield. And then, of course, in the interim, it was uh, there was no U.S. Grand Prix. And uh, since 2012, they've been racing at the Circus of Americas in Austin, Texas. And there's only two guys I've ever won at that, uh, at, at that track. And one of them is Sebastian Vettel, who won there in 2013 for Red Bull. And the other is Lewis Hamilton, who won uh, in 2012 when he was still with McLaren, and then last four years in a row. row. So Lewis owns the Circuit of Americas and the crowd there loves him. So very much almost like a home race for him. And uh, Lewis spends a lot of time in the States. And uh, I think obviously he's going to feel pretty pumped up uh, feeding off the energy from the crowd, but... Yeah. So I think if you're either Seb or Lewis, you know, you can win at this track. So should be good. Should be good to see. Anyways, moving along in the news, Christian Horner, team principal at Red Bull Racing, says that he's encouraged by Honda's progress in their their engine development. The Spec 3 engine that uh, Toro Rosso had at uh, the Japanese Grand Prix at Suzuka the other weekend was by far and away the most powerful and best, uh, most, I guess, kind of complete and uh best uh, evolution of the engine, Honda engine so far in Formula One. So they're, they're very encouraged about uh, the, the, the progress that, that they're making. And I guess uh, next year we will see once and for all, whether, well, depending on uh, how uh, Red Bull performs, whether it was McLaren or whether it was Honda that was uh, <laughs> the culprit when those dire years uh, that we've seen at uh, McLaren. And obviously this year, Things aren't going very much uh, better with them, even with the the Renault engine, which was supposed to be an upgrade for them, and that uh, costly divorce that they had at Honda at the end of last year. And they're they're struggling. They're absolutely struggling and um, not even as good as Williams. And uh, Williams, of course, another sad case, uh, fighting it out at the back of the grid, just made too many radical changes on the car for this year, coupled, I think, with a, a couple of young and fairly inexperienced drivers just makes it a a real recipe for for disaster so we will see if uh, honda well their their target at least for next year is to match the performance that um, and uh, the the output the horsepower that the current Renault engine that red bull is using which they of course have a brand is a a tag hoyer power unit that they're at least uh, trying to, to match that so they can at least be on the same level that they are right now i mean they're obviously the the best of the rest behind ferrari and mclaren and Somewhat to uh, equate distance down in the, uh, the constructors, uh, championship, uh, with, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Mercedes on top 538 for our four sixty, and Red Bull are, are real, real long way behind with 319 points in third place in the constructors. And they're miles ahead of Renault who are fourth. I mean, they're not even to triple digits yet. Renault only have 92 points. So, uh, well, we'll see if Honda can absolutely, uh, deliver what the, what they're aiming to and give them a, a similar engine to what they have right now then i guess we'll really know was it mclaren or was it was it the honda engine i mean obviously it was a combination of the two the chassis and the engine during that partnership but definitely mclaren still having issues despite having in theory a better engine just don't have the uh, the the chassis to to really deliver and I mean if you see Fernando Alonso, who's obviously one of the best drivers on the grid in Formula One scrapping it out at the back of the grid like he does, then well <laughs> there's more to it than just a power unit that's lacking some grunt and some horsepower there's something a lot. More going on, something fundamentally wrong in the design and uh, and uh, of that car, and uh, we we've seen that not just this year but for the past couple of years, and uh, we'll wait and see a little bit more on that in a minute. Uh, uh, I should just uh, mention that uh, that uh, Jill DeFerrin, who's the sporting director at McLaren, he said that uh, he's suppressing his anger amid the the McLaren results, and uh, Jill of course is a former racing driver himself, and he's there to help get McLaren going back in the right direction, but uh, things obviously aren't going well. And uh, for a guy that is as passionate and competitive and has a competitive spirit that uh, that DeFerrin has, obviously you can understand that uh, he's going to be very upset. And uh, when, when you see how far that team is back on the grid and how they're scrapping it out for not even really leftovers there they're not really getting too many points here or there and they're really kind of down there in the constructors championship as well they're in the bottom half they only have 58 points on the entire year they're uh, behind Haas who are yeah, doing pretty well. I mean, compared to, to Renault, they're only in fifth spot in the constructors, um, only eight points behind Renault with, uh, with 84 points. So they've had a, a decent year and they're only not really all that far ahead of, uh, racing point force India, uh, 43 points. I guess that's been reset since the, uh, the, the takeover by Lawrence Stroll and his consortium earlier this summer. So, well, now where do we go there? There's uh, quite a lot uh, going on. And well, the silly season in the driver's market still has been quite silly again this week. What with the news coming out, I shouldn't say silly, it's just kind of a bit of a play on words, but it really has been a, a most extraordinary year for the amount of changes that we've seen of drivers moving back and forth and leaving Formula One and coming into Formula One. And just how the youth revolution is uh, really continuing. We see that Lando Norris, of course, has got a seat at McLaren for next year. And he's joined by his fellow Brits, George Russell, who will race for Williams in 2019. So take your pick. Who's out at Williams uh, for next year? Is it Stroll? Is it Sorotkin? Is it going to be both? I think, obviously, what with Lauren Stroll buying Force India, or at least leading that consortium, that, uh, that seems to be a pretty open secret, or if not an open secret, pretty much what 's going to be expected and uh, and Lance himself has kind of hinted, and he said all the right things that you know he 's not really concentrating uh, or paying much attention to the rumors that he 's going to force India, and that uh, he 's just concentrating on each and every race weekend and doing the best that he can for Williams, which you know you would expect him to say, and I think is the proper thing to say, but I mean come on, if your dad 's the the guy that 's at the head of the group that just bought and bailed out a Formula One team, and all of a sudden and let let 's be honest since they were salvaged and uh, VJ Malia was kicked out and they've, they've got fluid, uh, cash flow again. And they've, they've got revenue coming in and out and the creditors have been paid off and the employees and drivers are getting paid again. We've seen them really do well and uh, be quite competitive again. Uh, they've sort of uh, again been one of those sort of, uh, best of the rest. Uh, kind of teams not quite as good as Red Bull, but definitely in in the top of that uh, that that group uh, behind red bull and uh, they were really struggling in the first half of the year and then uh, after the summer break really kind of was, uh... Being resurrected to their former selves, I guess, is maybe the the, the words that I'm looking for. But Russell, um, he got that drive by making a, a call during the middle of the summer because I guess it was kind of, it was kind of open. Well, what, what's going to happen? You got Robert Kubica, obviously former Formula One driver, that's uh, and the reserve driver at Williams, kind of uh, waiting in the wings there. And then this whole saga, what with Force India and then Esteban Ocon, and Ocon is a, also a pretty good young driver, and. Just those ties with the uh, with Mercedes and the fact that he's a Mercedes contracted driver seem to really handcuff him in some of the the, the possibilities to maybe move to well wherever <laughs> there are quite a few open seats on the grid this uh the, the, this year and well Ocon he he's still listed or uh, he's still mentioned in the in, in the breath that he is a possibility and uh, on the short list of candidates to take that second race seat. At uh, at Williams for next year, and I really don't know what to expect uh, in in regards to that. Uh, if if it's going to be Oka and uh, and uh, George Russell at Williams next year, or if it's going to be Russell and Sorotkin or Russell and, uh, and and Kubica, it really is a story that uh, is going to kind of un- unfold. And I really hope that they they get it uh, better. And what uh, you know what what's going on there is is going to turn around sooner rather than later because they are just it it's so sad i mean i've been really enjoying uh, the 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 um uh, F1 TV in the archive and just watching some of the historic races in, in, uh, that they have available going back to the eighties when it was, uh, Williams, uh, Honda and just how dominant they were. I was watching, I believe it was the 1987 British Grand Prix and just watching Nigel Mansell, Nelson Piquet just take off. And I mean, I think that was that weird era in Formula One where you still had Turbo power cars, and then you had the normally aspirated cars that basically made up the bottom half of the the, the grid. But that being said, I I seem to remember that in that uh, 1987 British Grand Prix, Piquet and Mansell were lapping people <laughs> with about gosh I don't know it was it was probably less than 10 laps into the race which was absolutely mind-blowing regardless if they're racing uh, or, or they're driving turbo powered cars compared to the uh, the, the, the slower back markers driving normally aspirated cars was just a, a real mind-blower and then just looking at how good that team was through the 80s into the 90s and of course there were a couple of times in both decades when they were uh, not quite at uh, their their Zenith uh, you know there's a the time when they had the engines in the late 80s when they those were underpowered and definitely weren't uh, the, the the best cars that they had but then in the, in the 90s they were quite strong and going into the 2000s and gosh it's already been 6 years since pastor Maldonado of all people won the last race for Williams at the Spanish Grand Prix so they say that they're they're working very hard and their, their design process is quite different uh, then they, they had this year, they just say that they made too many radical changes to the car, the, the FW41, and it just uh, obviously has not worked out. So <laughs> we'll wait and see. Again, just like McLaren, it, it's, and I think that's what really blows me away is that these are two, very big teams that have quite a lot of resources and and, and financial uh, means at their disposal. And uh, despite what they all say, I mean, uh, especially Williams, I know that uh, they've sort of been saying for a long time that it's harder and harder for the privateers to keep up in, in Formula One. But that being said, I mean, it wasn't even all that long ago that, that they were kind of up there and kind of competing with the likes of Red Bull. So in the last uh, year and a half, and especially this year, the way that they've really nosedived to the bottom of the grid is absolutely uh, shocking and alongside with McLaren and I know I'll I'll probably keep repeating this until I'm blue in the face and you're all tired of me saying this but it really is absolutely uh, mind-boggling mind-blowing to see two teams with such a storied history and, and finances at their disposal to be as bad and as far down the grid that they actually are and then but on the flip side it is encouraging to see teams like your Force India's and your Sauber's uh, moving up there and well, especially maybe uh Sauber more than Force India. They've kind of, like I say a few minutes ago, they've kind of gone back to where they have been over the past several years. But the, uh, the, the improvements that Sauber have made this year are really, really uh, a- encouraging to see, especially last year. They're driving, they had the, uh, the, the, 2017 car, which was new with the new aerodynamics, new regs and everything like that with the 2016 engine, which was just not meant to power a car with that uh, that was designed and built under the specifications for for 2017 and beyond. So good to see and obviously Charles Leclerc is has uh, really impressed and <clears throat> excuse me even his t- teammate Marcus Ericsson has uh, has impressed uh, as well on occasion. It's been not very many occasions, but he's definitely had his uh, moments here and there this year. But obviously, he's now just uh, riding this season out because, uh, of course, Antonio Giovinazzi is going to, to go there next year. And take his spot. It's kind of kind of be almost like a, a Ferrari light. Of course, they have Ferrari engines in that car. and You've got Kimi Raikkonen going there, and then just the the way that they have their agreement with Ferrari set up that uh, they're able to to nominate a driver. And I believe that's uh, what happened in the case with uh, Giovinazzi, who did have a, a couple of uh, good outings last year for Sauber at the beginning of the season, although he did have that rather unfortunate spin on the straightaway at the Chinese Grand uh, Grand Prix. Of course, the track was a little bit damp, so we'll give him that, but (laughs) definitely not a good look for you as a driver if you spin out when you're driving down the straight portion of the track. All right. Well, there was another interesting uh, bit of news that uh, I saw the uh, the other day that uh, that uh, really kind of got me a little bit excited. But of course, uh, it's a little bit of wishful thinking at uh, the same time. And that is the uh, double world champion Mika Hakkinen said he would only return to racing to, quote, kick some butt. And I love the way that uh, Kimmy, or sorry, not Kimmy, <laughs> the way that Mika talks, but uh, he's not hinting at a return to Formula One. Of course, he's about 50 now. So Probably a little bit too long in the tooth, but uh, he was talking more about uh, a return to racing uh, in the the historic racing categories uh, and uh, said if he could uh, find a competitive drive, then that's something that he would uh, really consider. He's got uh, uh, backing, but he's a brand ambassador for I can't remember who it was exactly, but he's quite a busy fellow and uh, he doesn't want it to to completely take over his life. I believe he has something like five kids, uh, which, gosh, I can't imagine even trying to to. a family like that, that just sounds completely exhausting, but uh, it would be cool to see uh, Mika Hakkinen back again, and uh, I don't know if you guys uh, caught that, but uh, in, I believe it was the September or October issue of F1 Racing Magazine, there was a nice long interview with with him, with Mika Hakkinen in there, and uh, I think that was done earlier this year at the Monaco Grand Prix, and uh, I always loved watching Mika Hakkinen when uh, he was in his prime, and he kind of walked away from it a, a little bit early. And then uh, continued on in uh, DTM for uh, several more years before retiring, I think. In about two thousand and seven, so he's been kind of out uh, out of it for, for a, a little while. But uh, when you see him now, I mean, yeah, of course uh, he looks like uh, he's middle aged, but he still looks pretty fit. So it would be kind of cool to to see him. Always got time for for Mika Hakkinen, so it'd be kind of fun to watch. So let's take a, a little bit of a look now at uh, the U.S. Grand Prix, and uh, of course that goes this weekend. Free practice goes in just over a day from now. By the time you listen to this program and uh, the the first bit of news is that uh, they've installed new curbs at the circuit of americas to avoid the drama that they had with uh, max verstappen of course last year max in what was a quite an awkward situation at the uh, the end of the race passed Kimi raikkonen for third place and after he kind of stormed his way up uh, through the pit or the the uh through the grid he had incurred uh, some uh, uh Penalties because of a power unit change, but uh, Max being Max, charged his way through the 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 field and he had good uh, pace. Crossed the finish line in third place, and then of course when he was upstairs in that little ante room, whatever you want to call it, he was talking to Lewis Hamilton, and then he was informed that uh, he was uh, given a five second penalty and uh, had to leave. So uh, he was kind of a little bit vocal about that and and, uh, referred that uh, to something he said I think uh, something along the lines that F1 still does does not get it after they had uh, done something similar and given him a time penalty which uh, excluded him from the, uh, the the podium in Mexico the year before and that was uh that uh, interesting situation where he backed Sebastian Vettel into Danny Ricardo and uh there was uh, all sorts of wheel banging on going on there and a lot of things uh, going on, but he was given a time uh, five second penalty that race, which uh, gave Seb the podium. And then very similar uh, last year at Austin, uh, he was given that five second penalty, which meant Kimmy went out on the podium. So. It was just a little bit uh, awkward. I was watching the the, the replay of that uh, just a couple of days ago. You see the camera in there. He's talking uh, with Lewis Hamilton. And he's kind of looking over his shoulder. He's kind of like, what? What's going on? And Kimmy's standing there next to Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> and then Max kind of realizes, oh, OK, well, there you go uh they've done it again and uh i think he did say he was rather surprised that they made the decision so quickly uh, rather than uh, taking the time to uh, uh to to review it but uh, when we when see it he uh, the the replay he does kind of uh, get a real good slingshot out of the corner and then uh, he goes over the curbs on the inside of the track and is completely off uh, out of the track limits passing Kimi Raikkonen and and he kind of downplays it as a a minor sort of thing that uh, everybody else was doing the entire weekend Uh, but uh, I I guess the 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 stewards just decided to act really uh, really quickly uh, and uh, I think they just wanted to get it right rather than having it look bad on TV as uh, Max Verstappen said but uh, that was an interesting race of course Sebastian Vettel took the lead going into the first corner because of course you have that straight that uh, goes up into the the, the first corner turn one, which is about 120 degree left-hander, which is really kind of cool to see. I mean, there can be some drama there and we've seen that over the years, but Seb got a bit of a uh, better start than Lewis Hamilton, managed to to force his way through on the first lap, but uh, he was down and passed by Lewis. Uh, I think it was about uh, five or six laps during the race. And then after that, it was um, was all Lewis. He just uh, really took uh, control of the race from there and uh, brought it home and then Sebastian Vettel ended up uh, coming home in in second place and that was the uh, the race where uh Theoretically, the, the the championship went on for another uh, another week, but that was the one when uh, the the uh, when um, Mercedes, sorry, my brain's just not working yet tonight, guys. It's been a busy week, like I say, I'm missing my coast. <laughs> Anyways, that was also the race that Mercedes clinched the constructors' championship for the fourth year in the row, and again, uh, that was a, a very impressive uh, achievement. But if you kind of look at some of the um, the characteristics of the circuit. Of the uh, the Americas, it is uh, I quite like it. I think it's got some nice twisty uh, portions. It's got some nice straight uh, 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 straightaways, and uh, I quite uh, really enjoy watching uh, Formula One there. So the tires that are available for this year are the same as last year: soft, super soft, and ultra soft. It's a fifty-six lap race with a five point five one three kilometer length. The total race distance is three hundred eight point four zero five kilometers. The uh, lap record was set last. last Last year by Sebastian Vettel at a 1 minute 37.766 and it is well it's kind of a medium kind of track it's a uh, if you rate it from one to five it's three for tire stress four for lateral g-forces three for downforce two for asphalt grip and three for asphalt uh, abrasion so it's not really the grippiest track surface and it's not really the most abrasive so therefore you get some of the softer tire choices and uh, should be uh, good to watch so I'm not really sure how many DRS zones I'll have this year but uh, we, we we do see the, the quite a bit of uh, overtaking at this uh, track. But uh, again, I think it will come down to um, what happens between Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel. And I don't know, I, I'm just calling it right now on uh, nothing other than my gut feeling. But I think that uh, Vettel is going to win this one, whether or not that uh, <laughs> whether or not that actually happens. You know, guys, we'll, we'll wait and see. Take that with a pinch of salt. Because when it comes to betting on things, I have a notoriously horrendous bad record when it comes to predicting sports results so you know there's that Anyways, I think that's a, a good place to wrap it up uh, for, for this week. And, uh, well, thank you all for listening and, uh, and, uh, and downloading the show this week. Um, hopefully Kevin will be available next week. It's always a little bit easier when, uh, when you got, uh, another person to, uh, to converse with rather than trying to stay focused and, uh, <laughs> run the soundboard and everything that uh, it takes to get this, uh, uh this, uh, this show all, uh, going and completed. So thank you for your patience in uh, listening to me fly solo. Anyways, if you want to get in touch with us, please do so. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod. We have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash Scuderia Podcast. Sorry, Scuderia F1 Podcast. And we're also on Instagram. Just search us for us there. Anyways, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you again this time next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 Podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.
1: You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, SportsPodcastingNetwork.com.